Welcome to the Sober Sidekicks Never Alone podcast, brought to you by the creator Chris Thompson, hosted and produced by Carl Fessenden. This podcast was created to highlight the stories and successes that make up the community that forms the Sober Sidekick. Chris built the Sober Sidekick because addiction thrives in isolation. We want to remind you that you do not have to fight this battle alone. We strive to bring you inspiring stories that will let you overcome your darkness and lift you from the ashes. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Never Alone Podcast. I want to welcome everybody uh, to this episode of the Never Alone Podcast. My name is Carl, the host and producer of the show. Um, the show was created by Chris Thompson over at the Sober Sidekick app. And uh, we're really happy to have our guest Isaac on this evening. And I want to remind everybody, so if you guys are listening to us on a podcast streaming app, uh, go into the app and, and make sure that you hit that subscribe button. Um, there might even be like a notify me area so you can get notifications when we have new episodes coming out. And we're going to be posting episodes weekly. Uh, so uh, we're a brand new podcast and we really appreciate all of you guys checking us out and listening to us. And uh, we're going to be sharing stories of community members um, that belong to the Sober Sidekick. And on today's episode, we have Isaac. So Isaac, man, welcome to uh, the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. All right, brother. We're happy that you're here too. And Isaac and I had a chance to get to know each other just a little bit and, um, we were talking and, and he's doing some house sitting today and, and it's almost like a little vacay for him. So, uh, yeah, man. So tell me, Isaac, we talked a lot about your journey of recovery so far. Um, can you tell our audience a little bit about like what that journey was for you, like for you in the beginning and like how it's kind of evolved a little bit? Yeah, I, um, uh... Like I was telling Carl earlier, you know, I uh, was showed a bad drug by some bad people at an early age, but I chose to uh, to do that drug, and uh, I did that drug for 33 years, and uh, next month I'll be uh, almost two years clean from it, but at the beginning it was hard. I mean... I tried to quit two or three times, but it took the birth of my grandson to really let it set in and stone and everything because it was at my grandson's first birthday and my daughter had taken a picture of me. And I, if you see me now, I mean, I'm every bit almost 250 pounds, but back then I was about when on his birthday, I was probably about 145 pounds. And when she showed me that picture, it was like a, I don't, I don't know, it was a wake up call or something. And, uh, I just had to make a choice, you know, I had to either continue using meth and let it take me down to a path or, you know, a road or a hole in the ground or whatever it was, you know, but, or, you know, I could stop and watch this kid grow up and, you know, and I chose that. I mean, I'm not going to say it was an easy road because if it was easy, you know, everybody would be doing it. And, you know, it, 
you know, they're just life would be a lot easier, but it's not, like I said, I'm almost two years clean, but I still wake up every day, you know, fighting the demons in my head, you know, for this and that, you know, I, uh, there's a lot of things that I'm not proud that I did while I was on that drug. My stories are going to jump back and forth because my memory's kind of messed up from the drugs. And, uh, but sometimes I seem to bounce back to the same story, so you might get lucky. And that, I mean, that's just the God's honest truth on that one. But yeah, I just it. I mean, it's it's. I I know that I'm gonna have to struggle with this every day, but that drug it drew me into like depression. I mean, I I fight with depression almost every day. But it takes, it's like I am, I've already went down that road of, you know, wanting to, I wanted to die, you know, I wanted to, you know, I wanted that drug. At the end of my addiction, I wanted that, I honestly wanted that drug to kill me because I was doing about an ounce of meth a week by myself and I wasn't selling it. I mean, I was doing that much drugs and I don't know if it was because my ADHD that saved me from that drug, but it didn't matter what. I mean, I'm not saying there's any excuse of any way to do drugs. All drugs are bad, but I didn't find out till later that I was just self-medicating. My ADHD is probably what saved my life in all, in all reality because what that drug does to everyone else, you know, it doesn't do that to me. It, uh, it would, make me concentrate it would uh i don't know it what i would call uh normal it just made me normal and um i don't know to get off it honestly and everything like i said here's another story jump because i don't know where my mind goes half the time to beat it is to have a great support system uh close i would say almost family type friends and family is what got me by. I had to cut off all my bad habits and all my bad influences. I mean, I had hundreds of friends, but they were, they were the wrong friends for me. And, uh, to, to about 10 people. And now my group right now is maybe 20 people. And maybe 15 of those are family. So, I mean, the other five is, I would consider them family. But, you know, I I know that I'm just going to struggle with this for the rest of my life. But it's, I don't know. Suicide is, a, is another thing. This is what I want to say earlier, but my mind flipped. But I, I held a, in my... In my tenure of doing dope, I wrote a, uh, here's another story jump. I, I wrote a, like a, like my story, like my, I don't know, my testament. I almost killed my wife. I didn't, but I lost my wife in the whole deal. But, you know, you lose friends, you gain friends, and I don't know. I just... I know people can change and they do change. I'm not saying I'm, you know, a hundred percent cured or I'm in the clearing because I know I'm not, 
because as soon as I start to get comfortable, you know, something might happen, and I don't want that to happen. My grandkids is what keeps me basically from basically ending myself here. And I respect suicide. I don't play with it. I don't mess with it. It's like if you're looking at the ledge and the ledge is suicide, I see the ledge and I respect the ledge and I don't play with the ledge. So if that means anything, I don't know, but that's just how I see it. Yeah, absolutely. But the positive things, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, go, but, go the, but my, my whole life hadn't been dark and bad. I mean, everybody has their issues, you know, their childhood trauma. I mean, I got childhood trauma, you know, that probably helped me make those, keep making those choices of doing drugs because I didn't know any better. You know, I just maybe wanted to numb everything, you know, and I was a middle child. So, you know, the love went all to the younger, to the older, and it's still, it's still the same way. It's like, you know, I, sometimes I tell people that I'm an orphan because, you know, my family is, I don't know. My family's weird. Sometimes it's, they're there, but they're really not there. I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's some, some good stuff there, Isaac, man, you know, and coming from all of that where you were to now coming up on damn near two years sober and the ability to be present for your family and the ability to be there and take care of things while they're on vacation, you know, and the trust factor comes back and everything. So tell me a little bit about any personal experiences with isolation, because one of our big premises here is here on the podcast is that one, we don't have to do all this alone, right? There's always somebody out there that can help support us. If we're building that community, like we do with the sober sidekick community, like we do with, um, outside support group communities, be it a 12 step community or a church community or, you know, um, uh, a cookie community, you know, what, what have you, when you're building those relationships, now we can look at it and say, cool, man, I don't have to isolate unless I choose to isolate. So how, how is that for you? Uh, I, excuse me. I, uh, I'm still in the, uh, kind of like a, a hermit you know, kind of like a homebody right now because I'm, I mean, like I said, I'm not coming up on two years clean, but two years in addicts world, you know, that's still early in the stages, you know, it's not, I mean, yes, it's something to be proud about two years, you know, 24 months, however many days, you know, but it's still, you know, you never know, you know, like, everything you know if you get comfortable like if you're a criminal you're running from the law you get comfortable you get caught you know same way in life but uh i i know that if i don't get out a lot in my experience if i don't my daughter was taking a uh her occupational uh, she was studying to to take the state test for the occupational therapy test Well, she's got my two grandsons. Well, I came over here for three and a half weeks and watched my grandsons. I didn't change any of my kids' diapers. 
I didn't change any of my granddaughter's diapers or my three-year-old, but my six-month-old, man, I changed the crap out of his diapers just so my daughter could pass. And she passed her tests. And, you know, the gratitude that the the feeling that I got when she sent me the text message saying that, you know, I couldn't have done, you know, what she'd done if, if I didn't watch those kids, you know, it's, it's the, you know, it's not really like a Super Bowl celebration, but, you know, in an addict's, recovering addict's mind, those little things like that is like Super Bowl for regular people. I mean, you know, I come to my grand, my daughter's house and my grandson's just uh, got a smile from ear to ear, jumping up and down because he seen me pull up, you know, those little things that, you know, that we always keep, you know, and, uh, but yeah, your whole isolation deal, I'm not good with that either. Like I said, my stories jump and I apologize for that, but I, I, I don't do good sitting. I mean, I'm in the verge of getting out. I started taking Taekwondo in December. I'm fixing to get an orange belt. You know, I'm, I'm doing better. I started taking the Taekwondo. So I, uh, I know that I have anger and some bad, uh, bad, just bad juju juice is what I would call it. And I want to turn it into something positive with the Taekwondo at the same time. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really good, man. And I really like how you're stating that like, you're kind of a homebody. This is where you're comfortable. Right. Um, so I grew up as an only child and, I didn't have, uh, I don't know, the, the area that I grew up in, there were like maybe three or four other families that had kids around my age, but there was one family that I really kind of like grad or um, uh, what do I want to say, um, that I was really close with, right? And, and we would do things all the time. I would go down to their house. I wouldn't even have to tell mom and you know, they, I would have dinner with them and then, you know, they'd make sure I got home. It was that kind of thing and vice versa. Right. So for yeah. me, when I think about isolation, it is really two different things for me. One is like that solid isolation where I'm like, you know, dude, I'm not picking up the phone for nobody. I'm going to watch my shows. I want to <laughs> do what I want. I'm going to eat what I want and, you know, basically F the world, right? But there's yeah. the other side of me that's really comfortable being by myself. And, um, yeah. you know, I am married and we both have this space thing where we can comfortably sit with each other and do completely separate things and be in our own completely separate worlds. And what I've learned is being in a relationship like that, and especially, you know, living with your spouse or your partner or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or, you know, what have you, um, that you really learn the value of identifying when you're isolating and nipping it in the butt, so to speak, or identifying when you're like, hey, I just need a little like me time to clear my head, you know, work was really stressful. So being able to like find those different areas in my life where I can take the time, like driving home from work, 
That's like a perfect time for me to like decompress. I make a bunch of phone calls. I talk to people in recovery. Um, it really helps because I have road rage and I want to like yell and, and scream at people <laughs> and like run people off the roads. I am so sorry if people are shocked about this, but like I seriously like I get pissed off and like I know that about myself and it's all because of recovery. So, you know, we get to learn yeah, these cool things. Yeah. Yeah. I learned like, uh, man, I had something to say, but I just plum forgot about it. <laughs> I was talking it, too it's much. Crazy. Man. Shit. <laughs> no, I don't even, I don't even remember what I was going to talk. I was going to say it, but that's, that's, I know it was good. I think. That's all right. Well, I was talking about like road rage, right? So like I'm driving home and I can make those calls. And I call people and at the end oh, of the I, call, I, yeah. I thank them and I'm like, thank you so much for talking to me. Like for the hour that I was in the car, cause you probably saved somebody's life out there. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, well, this is what I was going to say. You know, I consider myself a homebody, which I don't really remember what Isaac was, you know, 30 years ago or even 40 years ago or even, you know, 50 years ago. So I really don't know, but I do, I do know that I was always, you know, we moved to the neighborhood. I knew my neighbors. We lived in apartments. I knew my, the, I mean, I had no problem talking to anybody, but now that I got clean, you know, I'm like scared to death to even go outside into the, uh, you know, my normal, if there's somewhere other than my normal stops, you know, I won't even go there. It's, I don't even, it's weird. It's almost like I'm just a totally different person. Yeah. And it's true that we are different people now, right? Like I was a horrible person yeah. back in my addiction. I was just talking to my friend Liza about this. She and I went through, she, she didn't have a meth addiction, but she had an addiction to everything else. And we, we met each <laughs> other like in the rave and DJing scene. Cause I also DJ and she was like the one that kind of took me under her wing and was like showing me what's up and everything. And then we would like get high together and do all these things. Now she's out on the other side and she's doing really well. She's a, a sous chef at the university of Davis, um, here in California and, you know, doing phenomenal things. And we were just talking about this, like our old selves we're so different from our new selves now that yeah yeah know. would you would yeah, you I, would you I, take I, it I back i totally agree with that what? i i couldn't even i don't even i mean there's times where i even ask myself when i'm by myself i'm like i don't even know how i lived with myself you know yeah. that guy that was on the drugs was you know you know part of my language you know he was an asshole i yeah. mean one of the worst, right? I mean, I'm still kind of one now, but not as bad. I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I'll still have my flare ups where I'll blow up on somebody, but I'll replay it in my head. And if I think that I, which, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time I'm going to be in the wrong and I'll go back and apologize, but I'll play it back in my head and make sure, you know, I'm in wrong, which like I said, I'm usually am, but when I'm not in the wrong, you know, I just won't apologize. It's just, you know, but I have, you know, thought before I've spoken because it's like I've that part in your brain that tells you to stop, you know, like yeah. if you're agging on something, you know, I don't think I have that in my head because I always go way too far right. with everything. You know, I've pissed people off all the time. And I, and I mean, I tell people from the start, it's like, you know, that part that 
in your brain that tells you to stop talking? I said, mm-hmm. I don't have it. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there's, I mean, I'm finding out new things about me, you know, that I don't like, you know, but, you know, I'm trying to deal with them. Yeah, man. Not yeah. by doing drugs either. And that's, and it's weird how the world now is half, you know, even musicians and actors, everybody is like, it's a sober world. Yeah, it really is, man. Like, I look at like all, so I'm, I have a lot of like people that I know in the music industry that are producers and, um, you know, especially over in like the UK and stuff and watching them from the past. There's another thing we were talking about with Liza is like seeing those guys in the past and like, there were like, you know, they would do like documentaries on them and stuff. And I knew that they were like completely fucked out of their heads. Right. But now when I get to talk to them, you know, it's like, man, I haven't, I haven't done anything in like years and I'm in recovery and I, you know, I, and I have a sponsor and I go to meetings or, you know, what have you. And, um, it just really like, it's really come back to like kind of this full circle type of thing. Like you said, the world is becoming sober and I I don't know if it was because of COVID or, or what that was, but it's, it's really kind of coming back around. I I don't know what it was either. But, I mean, it's like what I tell a lot of people, that it's that first initial step for asking for help is what a lot of people are worried about, you know. It's like they, they feel like they get shamed in whatever. If, you know, addiction is, there are a lot of addictions, and, I mean, I mean everybody has one of something of something, you know, but. Like I said, I I wouldn't did drugs as long as I w- well I don't know I don't really can't say you know the past is in the past I still have to remember that but you know I still yeah. try to change it sometimes it never hurts. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it did take me a long time to yeah to 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 finally let you know everything that happened yesterday or five minutes ago it's 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 done you can't change it you know and it took me a very long time, you know, to realize that. And once I realized that, you know, I, there was a lot of problems, you know, that lifted off my shoulder. You know, my ex-wife finally forgave me, you know, I've made amends with hundreds of people and then they've all forgiven me. You know, I've, you know, there's still people out there that I need to make amends with. There's some that I can't, but you know, Mm -hmm. I can only make amends with them whenever God decides to take me, you know, but yeah, until then, you know, just on this earth trying to live one day at a time and, you know, maybe help a few people along the way, you know, you never know. Yeah. Man, that's, that's so good to hear you say, you know, just trying to help people. And, and I, that's, that's what I really get out of like doing the podcast and, um, especially in my work, like professionally, um, I, I get to help a lot of people. Uh, so Isaac, man, we are getting to the end of the episode and I want to ask you one question. Um, envision yourself sitting in a meeting or maybe you're sitting on a bus stop and somebody sits down next to you and they identify themselves as a newcomer and said, man, you know, I've got, you know, only a few days clean and I've, I've started going to meetings and stuff. Um, briefly, what advice would you give them from your own experiences with your own recovery that could help them, you know, along on their journey in the beginning? I, I would just, you know, 
I wouldn't give them the three-hour story of my journey, but I would give them like the cliff notes of it and tell them, and you know, you know everything that I went through. You know, the people, like I said, the people that support me. My uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, is probably the most. You know, her and her husband has probably been the the biggest in my recovery. You know, they let me watch their house and stuff, but you know that's another deal. But it's I would just have to ensure them that you know. You, me, I never took that second step, and and I don't know. I mean, I know I'm saying this right, but my whole life I just took that one step. That second step was like success, or I don't know. I never took it. Now that I got clean, I'm taking second steps and sometimes third steps. You know, I just would just tell them, you know, you know, and if they didn't have anybody, you know, I would offer whatever I could to help them to be, you know, to stay clean or sober or what, you know, because like I said, all it takes is that one initial help to ask and, you know, and the response that they get, if it's some asshole on the bus that has no idea what he's talking about and he just shuns him off, well, then he's just going to go off and get drunk and or whatever, do whatever, you know, but, you know, hopefully, you know, if after I, if I talked to him, you know, maybe he would stay on his journey and, you know, and I could help him show, you know, other ways to go. Because like I said, I wasn't never like this wanting to help nobody before I was like, you know, forget them, you know, this and that. But now I would like to help somebody. And if I could, you know, I'm here. Yeah, man. Oh, dude, that's so good. I'm, I, I, I say this with everybody and I, when people start listening to the episodes, I'm always gonna, <laughs> I always say like, man, this was like the best episode ever, but it really is true. Like hearing other people's stories is so inspiring for me. You know, it really lifts me up and allows me to, to really kind of understand people a little bit better. So um, we really appreciate you coming on, taking the time tonight to come on to the show. Uh, and, um, dude, it was really, really good to uh, get to know you a little bit and also to meet you, brother. Hey, no problem. And, like, uh, if y'all ever do follow-ups or whatever, you know, you know, like I said, this is my first podcast ever. You know, I liked it. You know, if somebody wants me to do another one, you know, I do another one, you know. Absolutely, man. <laughs> All right. This episode of the Never Alone Podcast was recorded in studio by the Drunken Worm Podcast Productions. The Never Alone Podcast is part of the Sober Sidekick brand that was created by Chris Thompson. If you are in need of help, remember you're never alone. If you're in crisis, dial 988 for help. You can also dial 911 if you are feeling you're in a life-threatening emergency. Remember, you're never alone, and there's always somebody out there that can help you. Thank you again for listening to the Never Alone Podcast. This is Carl Fessenden signing off. And remember, stay well, stay sober, and live your best life. Take care.